It's you. I wondered when you'd finally drop in. Welcome to the Jaunty Lion Bookshop. In my shop, we believe that children and their adults have a spark of magic that is waiting to grow. It must be fed, or it will dim until we never knew we had it. Feed that spark on good stories and intentional culture shaping. Soon enough, it will grow into a flame, igniting your whole family with whimsy and wonder and imagination. I'm Amy Marquis, mother to five eccentric children, chronic home educator, and curator of the Jaunty Lion Bookshop. Stay a bit. I'm so glad you've arrived. Today's show is brought to you by St. Nick's Knickers. Tired of that same old thing? Have you got your undies in a bunch? Don't despair. St. Nick's Knickers have festive underthings that would make even Ebenezer Scrooge have a holly jolly Christmas. Whether you're looking for a classic bread long johns with a convenient flap in the back, or a little number that would make even the elves blush, St. Nick's has it all. Come on down, they'll be waiting with bells on. All the friendly folks at St. Nick's need are your waist size and the answer to one simple question. Have you been naughty this year? Our quote today is another Chesterton piece of finery. Christmas is built upon a beautiful and intentional paradox that the birth of the homeless should be celebrated in every home. G.K. Chesterton How curious, friends, that the God who was and who is and who is to come might swaddle himself in flesh, imprison himself in a womb, only to experience the violence of birth in a state of homelessness. How curious that he should have reached a state of paramount strength and power the moment he reached his infant hand to touch the face of his mother Mary. None of us can choose our mothers, but Christ did, and I wonder if he was conscious of this as he lay helpless in her arms. I wonder if he knew at all that he was God. I wonder if he knew that his choice to become vulnerable to us all was the most violent of contradictions of what we knew before of power and strength. And I wonder if you know, dear listener, how very much loved you are by the one who became a homeless babe for the simple reason that he wanted to know you and he wanted to rescue you. Who knew that the world's greatest rescue mission would arrive in the form of helplessness and need? I love Christmas, but more than that, I dearly love Advent. And the very best thing about Advent are the ghosts. I am sitting here at the great fireplace at the Jaunty Lion Bookshop, and considering how best to tell of the strange things would have lately happened here. I'm the only one awake here in my shop, and as the midnight snow flurries about the black night, there are faint creakings and groanings as my bookshop settles herself into sleep. She is often exhausted at the end of these long days filled with holiday shoppers. As she and I settle ourselves together each evening, I am able to sit with a cup of Lady Grey, my favorite tea, which I spell, by the way, G-R-E-Y, 
because I read too much British literature. Hmm. I think it's best that I just dive in and tell you all about the strange things we have lately seen at the Jaunty Lion. And perhaps in that telling, I can make some sense of it all. It started when the staff of the Jaunty Lion and I were sitting near the fire, much as I am doing now. Holiday shoppers had come in droves, and after the last of them left, we locked up for the night. During the Christmas season, the staff at the Jaunty Lion light the advent calendars each Sunday. I do the same with my own sweet family, and in years past, my children were present for the lighting of the candles in the bookshop, so that I wouldn't have to do two separate advent lightings. Unfortunately, as is often the case in my bookshop, things take a turn for the strange. So much so that I have decided not to allow my children to join the lighting until I am quite sure that it is safe for them. For the benefit of my listeners who are not familiar with Advent or the traditions surrounding it, let me give you a brief explanation. Advent is from the word, the Latin word Adventus, meaning the coming or the arrival. This means that as we celebrate Advent, we are actually practicing a time of peaceful waiting for the arrival or advent of the Christ child. It is not for us a time of frenzied or overcrammed schedules. It is a quiet, gentle time of waiting with hushed hearts for Christ for Christmas morning. Each week for four weeks prior to that morning, we light a candle on our advent wreath. Each Sunday, we light another candle in addition to those already lit. Christmas morning, we light our final candle and we celebrate that baby Jesus is born. And then our quiet waiting becomes a loud and rollicking celebration. He has come. We are safe now because he has come. Anyway, as we light our candles and sit in quiet contemplation, it is not at all unusual for timid specters to emerge from the woodworking and come as near as they dare in order to draw near to the flames of our candles they are attracted to the flame. This is the only time we see them all year, and it is always a little unsettling, for they look so lonesome and so frightened. One spirit, whom we have known to anticipate with dread, we see approaching with a fearful, gaping maw and wide eyes of panic. He comes every year, though none of us can feel easy when he is around. The ghosts come and go with each candle lit, though they never approach us. The terror and anguish on their faces betray their fear of us. Still, I can't help feel sorry. Clearly, they long to approach the good flames that mark the coming of the one who tears away all such deathly shackles. But there is a barrier they place between themselves and us. I never used to believe in ghosts. I liked them, but I didn't believe in them. I think that I was far too Protestant to be aware of such things. But I have a son who, as an infant, and into his childhood danced dangerously with death. For years we walked through the valley with him, as a family, united in our mutual agony for him to live. When thrown into the nether worlds of death and dying, one cannot help realize that there are far too many things which cannot be explained. Angels, demons, ghosts, to name a few. 
I saw things in those days that have made me realize how little I understand of our world. If that was not enough to convince me, then opening my bookshop certainly has. We have lit three candles already, and each Sunday, something extraordinary has happened, something we have yet to see at the Jaunty Lion Bookshop. Don't have me light the first candle. It would be a bad omen, said the raven. Well, don't look at me. You know I'm agnostic. Besides, I am only here for the wine, said the rye weasel. And so it fell to me to light the first candle. As I lit the fresh, unburnt wick of the first candle, I said, Jesus is the seed, the promised rescue, who would be buried and grown within Mary, only to be buried again at his death, and emerge victorious. I did not finish, for as I spoke, the candle fluttered its flame. I lifted my eyes to see before me the figure of a child. I was frozen with surprise. Never before had a ghost approached us. This was startling enough. More still, she was only a child. She stood before the flame, just a few feet away from myself, and I could see that she was not wispy nor translucent, as I had previously supposed our other visiting specters to be. She was gossamer, almost fibrous, like a silken spiderweb. Her skin was alabaster, her hair auburn, her eyes green and blue as the sea. She was lovely, but for the look of terror on her face. I stared, unable to form words. I stared for some time before the rational dragon leaned toward me, saying softly, I think, Mrs. M, that to her, we are the fearful creatures, that to her, we must appear as terribly unsettling as she does to us. Perhaps what she needs most, at present, is the gentleness of a mother. At this he looked at me significantly, and I understood what I must do. I saw her then with fresh eyes, and I knew how to address her. I must speak to her in the same way I speak to my own little daughter, Scout, for they appear to be about the same age. Carefully I approach her, and crouch before her, saying, Darling, why are you so frightened? She is frightened and quickly scurries under the low table that holds our advent candles, where she begins to weep softly. I look to the others for help and receive shrugs all around, till the jaunty lion himself speaks low and soft. Courage, dear heart, he says. A sniffle and a deep breath and silence. We can't find Mommy and Daddy. I'm scared. I'm so cold. When she spoke, the smell of salt spray filled the room. Softly, I spoke to her. What is your name? Anne. At this, she approached me cautiously, but her face was now more full of curiosity than fear. She sat beside me on the floor, causing a creeping chill to travel up my body. I dared not move, for she began to tell us a tale which I will never forget. She spoke as a four-year-old, her story full of halted speech and incomplete thoughts, so I will do my best to impart her little tale. 
It seemed that she, along with her mother and father and three sisters, boarded a great big ship in the Boston Harbor. She was below decks with her mother and sisters when she heard a terrible crash and was jolted out of her bed. We were going to see Grandma and I on it. Then the water covered my feet. It seems that the whole cabin flooded, extinguishing the lamps, and that she was now in search of her family. She thought our bookshop was the ship, and she was lost. We all sat in stunned silence as she lisped her little tale to us. Then just as quickly as she appeared, she was gone. Good heavens, that was grim. Even for my apparent dark senses and sensibilities. Did you quite enjoy that, Raven? Starling said. Quite. Has anybody a bit of paper and a stub of pencil? I have just had an idea for my next story. We all slept with nightlights that night, I can assure you. The following Sunday, we again convened, this time to light the first and the second candle. We were all quiet as we began. We all watched for our little friend. I lit candle one. Jesus is the seed. I lit candle two. Jesus is the star. He is the bright and morning star, our light in the darkness. Girls! I cannot find my girls. They were just sleeping in their wee beds and now they are gone. Then we saw her. She stopped short and stared at us. It was not the little girl, but someone new. Her face was aghast at the sight of us. She too was comprised of the same gauzy substance of the child. She was young and pretty, her face framed with brown hair, her dressing gown white, moving in its gossamer way, like fluid following the currents of willful atoms which move and course around her. Even in her death shroud, we could see that she was a beauty. The rye weasel took one long, surveying look at her head to toe, smoothed his whiskers, and said, in his silkiest way, for he is always an opportunist when it comes to women, at the moment not caring much the fact that she was a deceased woman. My dear, won't you come near to our fire that we may see with greater advantage your form, a uh, predicament. Her eyes narrowed at him. And just as I began to wonder what an angry specter could do to a womanizing weasel, she looked sharp to me. I didn't know what you all mean just sitting here while this vessel even now is filling herself with water. But this is your own affair. My husband and daughters are missing and I cannot find them anywhere. This cursed ship seems to change shape, and I wander searching for them, hardly knowing where I am. Was one of your girls small with red hair and porcelain skin? That is my Anne. What do you know of her? What do you know of her, Raven? Speak now, quick, for you are a bad omen and the ship will sink at any moment. At this she wrings her hands and pulls her hair in a madness to find her children. To her, I answer. We saw her last week, to the hour, actually. She is here somewhere and quite safe. My shop is a sanctuary to all children. But, and here I trailed off. 
I am afraid I must tell you that things are not quite as you remember them. We are not at sea, except maybe Rye Weasel here, but quite safe on terra firma. Won't you come by my fire, so we can explain? Her face was aghast with desperate confusion and longing looking at the advent flames. If you fools will sit here in the face of danger while my wee girls are lost and frightened, then I've no time for the likes of you. And with that, she ran away, crying out for her girls. We could hear her fearful voice growing fainter, till finally the jaunty lion himself leaned over and snuffed out the first and the second flames, which snuffed out the anguished cries of the mother. We all went home to our beds, filled with disturbed remembrances of this night. I went to the bedside of each of my children, tucking their blankets around them, smoothing their foreheads, and whispering silent prayers of thanks, thanking God they were safe in their beds. Advent Sunday 3 We gathered round the Advent wreath, filled with feelings, mixed feelings, fear, wonder, curiosity, Who will emerge tonight before our flickering flames? Jesus is the seed. I lit the first candle. Jesus is the star. I lit the second candle. Jesus is the scepter, the wise king who is coming to us in humility to show his great love and strength and equity. I lit the third. I looked up to see standing before the light of the flame not one, but three ghosts. A man with two little girls, one at each side, holding his hand. Excuse me, have any of you seen my wife and little daughter? To this, of course, my eyes grew wide with wonder. He was not at all afraid of us, but stood in earnest. Sir, I said, I think think you and your girls might sit a moment, which of course they did not. So I went on to explain to them that they were not on a sinking ship at all, but safe within the quiet though odd confines of my bookshop. Look at your hands, sir. Look at your feet. Look on the faces of your girls beside you. You are spirits. Your tragedy has come and gone. Though for you this will be difficult to accept, since you have all this time decades later searched a sinking vessel for your family, but it is the truth nonetheless. Come, sit by my fire. Tell us your story, and maybe we can help you. He stared down at his hands, brows knit. He squatted down before the face of his little blonde child, studying her gossamer face. Then the same to the older girl, running his hand over her tawny head, as if seeing her for the first time. With an expression of quiet resignation, he looked to us all for a bit. Then he sat, with one girl on each knee. He seemed to be gathering himself some time before finally speaking. He told us a tale, much like his daughter's. His three daughters, his wife and he, boarded a ship in the Boston Harbor, bound for Ireland. They were to spend time caring for his wife Anne's mother and taking over the management of her great estate surrounding the farms. Not two nights into the journey, the vessel struck another ship. 
The rain had been so torrential that night that neither saw one another. The collision tore away the starboard bow, leaving a massive gash which wasted no time drinking up the sea about her. It seems that this man, whose name we discovered was Reed, did not board the lifeboat because he could not find his wife and daughters. As the ship took on more water, he searched frantically for his family. Finally, he trudged through the waist-high water below decks, and before the door to his room, he found the two little girls who now sat with him, Gail and Renee. They were terrified at the rising water, shrieking with the cold. The door to their cabin was jammed, and he tried with all of the force of his body to break it down. It was too solid. The water rose too swiftly. That was the last of his memory. And as the tale was told, he sat in silence, staring into the flames as they danced before his eyes. Suddenly he stood, instructed his girls to say with me, and began to wander out into my bookshop, calling, louder each time, for his wife, Anne, calling for his little daughter, also named Anne. He screamed their names, again and again, until we were sure that no answer could possibly come, until... Papa! Reed! Before our flame stood the family, once broken apart by forces bigger than themselves, now holding each other in eternal embrace. It was a beautiful sight. Shall I? said the marionette, gesturing to the candle snuffer. I paused a moment to see this family united for one final Christmas. Goodbye, sweet family. Rest in peace. The candles were extinguished, and the family vanished, thus ending our third Sunday of Advent. To this, the reluctant dragon said, The world is full to the brim of things we cannot begin to fathom. I wonder what next Sunday will bring to us. Do you not all see? said Head A of our dear friends, the Hydra of the Moors. They are come from the wood, said Head E. They were boarded upon her, Mrs. M. They were among the lost, whom perished when she sank, before we recovered her. The Lady Grey, I breathed. Yes. The sisters triplicated. Listener, you do not yet know about Our Lady, but soon you will, for she is a vital part of what makes my bookshop what she is. She is at the heart of it all. This episode is dedicated to my mother, my father, and my two sisters. We are a family torn asunder by the terrible forces and tossed about on great waves. May we each follow the light of the flames of Advent, the flames of hope in the tiny Christ child who alone can unite souls to himself, no matter how lost they become. I love you all. Merry Christmas.
What have I got on my shelves today? Ah, oh, yes, these will be perfect. Christmas is a celebration of a chasm in space and time where the spirit plane kisses the physical. A god becomes flesh, an army of angels, humble shepherds, virgin birth. So, in the spirit of spirits, here are some titles I recommend that are for sale in my bookshop, The Jaunty Lion. We'll start here. A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Jane and the Twelve Days of Christmas, being a Jane Austen mystery, by Stephanie Barron. The Snow Child by Iowan Ivy. All of these are adult titles for your Christmas reads. If you are interested in children's Christmas books that are wonderful to read together around the fire, see episode one of the Jaunty Lion podcast. Oh, and finally, I have some good fun. The Valancourt Books of Christmas, Victorian Christmas Ghost Stories. This is a five-book compilation. Victorians really did do a good ghost story, especially at Christmas time. All of these titles and more are available from my bookshop. Visit bookshop.org backslash shop backslash jaunty underscore lion. That's bookshop.org backslash shop backslash jaunty underscore lion. Don't forget to shop for your Christmas titles or click the link in your show notes. That wraps up today's Christmas special. Special thanks to the Bearded Wonder for sound design and to the Marvelous Marquis Flying Circus for voice talents. This is Amy Marquis signing off with a hearty Merry Christmas to you all. Go forth. Suck the marrow out of life. Read. Repeat. And as C.S. Lewis would say, you can never get a cup of tea large enough or a book long enough to suit me. Goodbye, friends, and thank you for listening. <laughs>